every day brings us closer. Closer to the moment when the next generation of NFL stars learn their destiny. And franchises try to lay the foundation for the next dynasty. With the first pick. This is First Draft. Now alongside NFL Draft Insiders Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay, here's Chris Brown. Welcome to First Draft. We continue the uh, wagon. In-season uh, First Draft wagon hasn't broken down completely yet. Credit McShay since he travels all week. Mel, some credit. Not as much as Todd. Who's, Todd, do you, you, so you don't really know where you're going? or No. Hurricane, LSU Hurricane Florida. Todd. LSU in Florida, Hurricane Matthew is throwing a monkey wrench in, and uh, we'll see. It sounds like they're going to move it to Baton Rouge. Should be a good time. Guys, today we were going to focus on the number ones. Who in college football at some point could claim to be the number one team in the country? I know it's early, so we'll keep keep it wide open. And then, you know, McShay's got a new top 32 out. I want to get a really way too early look at who are the guys right now that are in that number one overall prospect picture because it's not just one or two. It could it could extend beyond that. But I, I first of all, I think Josh is going to allow me to do this. I want to do the number one topic in football right now. We're carrying over an off-microphone conversation on, and I want to know the number one topic in the country. Mel, where do you stand on twerking in the end zone? Do you think uh, the NFL is throwing too many flags? Well, I remember when the, the late great Johnny Unitas uh, you know, passed away, and, <laughs> and Peyton Manning wanted to wear a you know the black high tops, and they wouldn't allow it. Uh, he wanted to honor Johnny Unitas; they wouldn't allow it. So uh, just ridiculous things that are done. And then in this case, the thing that I don't like is the fact that you know, you have a touchdown and you take it away, and you're given back with a penalty. So yeah, if it is a rule, and they're going to make it a rule, and they're going to say you can't do something, if I told McShay you got to wear a tie or you can't wear a tie. You're either not going to wear it or you're going to wear it. When you go on a sports center, you go on a remote report. If we're all told we have to do something, we do it. Okay? If you're told you can't do something by your coach or your position coach, you cannot do this, then you don't do it. So I have no. I don't think they should worry about all these things that they worry about. Okay? Let them play. Let them have fun. But if there is a rule in place that says you cannot do this after a touchdown, then you don't do it. So it's very simple. So I don't think we have to get into any long 10, 20-minute discussion on this. Oh, uh, I, 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 I think they should allow some things, but if they're not going to allow it, then for a player, don't do it. Can't do it. Torque away. I mean, seriously. Who Todd cares? McShay, the, this is really the debate of the season. I don't. You probably missed the VP debate last night, but Todd is now coming out pro-twerk on his platform. Mel, Mel basically dodged the question. Mel basically said, and he invoked Johnny Unitas. That's the, that's the most Mel answer ever, I think. I just wanted to go back to when they didn't allow Peyton Manning to wear the black high tops. That, to me, was, was, was what's the reason for that? So uh, you know, what makes sense there? Use some common sense and think about what you're doing. If you're, but if you're going to say, and this is where I stand on this, it's not a, I'm not in between. I'm saying if you're going to have a rule that says you have to do this this way, and if you do it any different, then we're going to have a penalty, you basically have to give the ball to the official. Okay, Just slip it to the official. Okay, Remember, players now are dropping the football before they get to, down to the goal line, okay? You know, players now are doing things that you say, okay, what are you thinking? 
Okay, so if you you have to almost worry every time somebody gets near the goal line. First of all, they're going to take the take the ball into the end zone. Number one, what are they going to do with it once they get there? Okay, so yeah, it's just ridiculous. We got to worry about penalties and replay. I'm a little tired of all this crap. Wow. Well, I'm not going to ask anybody. Fired up. I'm not going to ask anybody to release their tax returns. But now that Mel is effectively lathered up, thanks to me, uh, I want to jump into the real conversation today. The number ones. We're going to look at teams in college football that uh, that have a potential claim to number one now, and probably a potential claim to number one down the line. It's early. Still a lot of undefeateds. You know, Todd's here. Todd's seen a couple of them up close. He was at Michigan this last week. You've seen Ohio State up close. Both teams undefeated. Both teams with fair, reasonable, obviously, playoff aspirations. So want to run through those. And then also, uh, also look at some of the prospects that are in that conversation for number one right now. I know we're a long way from April. Don't freak out. Todd, I'll let you get it started here. You guys both... This weekend, you put out your steel cage match. Who would walk out number one pick? The teams we offered up were Clemson, Bama, and Ohio State. Where did you stand on that right now? Bama. Best team right now. Yeah. Can you see one other, those other teams jumping in there? It's early. I'm, I'm still trying to figure out Ohio State. I, I mean that in a positive way. Yeah. I know they're good. I know they're talented. But – are they able to, with all these young guys, play at this high of a level consistently throughout the year? If they do, that it could be Urban Meyer's best coaching job, and he's had a he's had a lot, had a few of them. So, you know, right now, I I would say this: I trust Bama the most, but I I could see Ohio State getting to a similar point. And I I just don't think we know how good they are at this point. To be honest, I I thought Michigan's offense was getting a lot better, and I thought Michigan was going to be one of those teams that really had a complete offensive and defensive side of the ball. Their special teams was, were exceptional for the first five weeks of the year or four weeks of the year. And then last week happened. They, you know, they can't now kick a field goal. They nope. weren't as dominant in the, in the return and cover game. And their offense really struggled against, I should say, a, I would dare to say great college defense, somewhere between really, really good and great. For Wisconsin, so that's part of it as well. There's still so much to learn with all these teams, but I, I would say Bama I trust the most because of the history, the coaching, and the talent that you know is there. Um, but the, with a young quarterback, he struggled against Kentucky in the first quarter last week. If, if he has one of those days, you, you just never know. You're vulnerable. Mel, do you think uh, you, you also picked Bama, if I'm remembering right, but are, are you buying into the growth potential of Jalen Hurts? Yeah, I think when you look at the, number one, you know. Yeah, I mean, you look at Alabama; they go so deep with their team, and they got two. You know, talk about lack of depth at corner, but Minka Fitzpatrick and Marlon Humphrey, as good as any duo, and they don't have the depth they they thought they would have. But a star power across the board, and when you you think about who's going to beat them, it's going to take a C game from Alabama, D game from Alabama, and your A plus game to try to beat this team. So, uh, but I look at the Broncos last year winning a Super Bowl, and I, and Sproul had Western Michigan over Central Michigan, and I'll tell you what, Western. Michigan's a fun team to watch, and I'm not going to say anything about number one, but they're probably going to go undefeated. Uh, P.J. Fleck, their coach, is going to be in high so they're demand. They're in the playoff? 
Yeah, Corey Davis, the wide receiver, McShay's going to be talking a lot about once he figures out some the of the other players. How did you get to the, out there. Lester, You went from the, the, that to from Alabama to the Denver Broncos to Western. I tied the Central Broncos Michigan? into the Broncos. This is Kalamazoo. This is the Broncos of Western Michigan. Oh, it is a, okay. A story, I thought you started in Denver. Yeah, they beat two Big Ten teams already, Todd, on the road. So I, I like that little aspect of it. To go back to something serious because they're obviously not going to be number one, but they're fun to talk about. Tennessee Texas A and M game. Yep. Yeah, is going to determine a lot. Uh, yeah, it's at ten. Texas A&M, it's a team in Tennessee is the most entertaining team that's undefeated this year and probably in, in years by miles. Uh, you know, the winner of that game, uh, you know, this is murderer's row for Tennessee. They're already 2-0. and Now if they get this, they got Alabama coming up at home. Texas A&M gets by this game. Okay, they got Alabama in, in a couple weeks on the road in Tuscaloosa off a of bye week. So I think the A&M Tennessee winner uh, will have obviously have a chance to go a long way. How about this Tennessee team? Thirteen to three, they trail App at the half. I'm looking at this. Virginia right Tech, that they're down fourteen nothing at the end of the first quarter. Ohio, they're only leading fourteen to twelve at the half. Florida, they're down twenty one to three at the half, and Georgia down seventeen seven at the half. And they won every single one of them. Yeah. Is this year's version, but Florida State, of Jimbo Fisher. Yeah. The thing is, is you just you know you know that there's a lot of talent there. Uh, Barnett's been unbelievable. At I don't times. trust that team, and but I, don't I honestly Texas think I think they could get run off the field by A and M just because of how slow starting their offense is and how many negative plays A and M can create. A and M's beat up though. I'm worried about that. I don't. Well, let's put it this way: I don't know how beat up they are. They had three offensive starters, including uh, Speedy Noel and um, Seals Jones, Ricky Seals. Miles yeah. Garrett's been banged up. Miles Garrett can, didn't play last week. Knight rolled leg. up on Seals Jones, and then the left tackle, I think it is that uh, that was injured, injured, didn't play last week as well. So you're talking about four of your better starters. There's some question marks. I don't know if it was South Carolina and they thought it was a good time to rest up some dings, or if they legitimately all of them wouldn't have played no matter who they were playing last. Yeah, week. let's not have a pity party too much for A and M because uh, Tennessee's had injuries too, Todd. I mean, they have a Cameron Sutton, you know, Kirkland. You think about Jalen Rees Maben. Remember he had the targeting, then he was injured, so yeah, he's missed some time. So they've had injury issues and other issues. Tennessee has had to overcome on their way to this so far remarkably uh, entertaining undefeated season for the Vols. So let's just let's just expand this a little bit. We know where Bama is. Let's just the other teams that at least have a legitimate claim to number one. Or could you imagine them winning in the playoff? Ohio State. I think that's a fair yes, right? Yes. Super young team, but if a veteran quarterback. If they crescendo. That's nice. the difference they have yeah. over a lot of these other teams is they have a battle-tested quarterback yeah. that that can take a game. I don't think he's. I mean, he's nowhere near like. Lamar Jackson or some other guys in terms of physical tools. But he can carry a team. If the passing game's not working, he, they can run the zone read and he can run. Mm-hmm. And he so he has that that versatility and dual threat ability that if something's going wrong, he can usually help them get out of the mess. Yeah. And, well, let's know, face facts, though, guys. We're not going to know much about Ohio State until that Michigan game Thanksgiving weekend. What about Michigan schedule, State the week before? Yeah, Michigan that State's Wisconsin. in a down year. Yeah. Uh, you know, Wisconsin's has the injury issues with, obviously, their, one of their best players, Beagle, hurt, and the quarterback situation is awful. So you know, if you're going to lose to Wisconsin, now they lost to Michigan State last year with a backup quarterback Ohio State did, so obviously you can never overlook anybody. But let's face facts. We're, we're going to know about the Buckeyes until they get to that game in, at, uh, you know, in Ohio, at Ohio State, uh, uh, November 26th against a, a team that's putting out a lot of freshmen. You've seen Michigan a lot this year, Todd. Do you think Three Michigan times. can go toe-to-toe with the Buckeyes? Yes. 
I do. I wouldn't. I'm not saying I would. I'm pick worried them to win, that they can score on Ohio State, but I think their defense would keep them in any yeah. in, in in a game, a tight game with any team in the country. Let's put it that way. Offensively, I think that's <clears> one of the best parts of this matchup is that it's played when it's played. Now, if you're a fan and your team loses, it's going to be the worst part of the matchup because it's probably going to prevent you from getting in the playoff because it's fresh in people's mind. Or, you know, I think at that point you're going to get a lot of people saying, well, that team just wasn't as good as we thought. But I think the best part of this now is that both of these teams are young enough in the areas that they need to improve that they can improve between now and then. So I want to – what Michigan looks like offensively Saturday, this past Saturday against Wisconsin, hopefully if you're a Michigan fan, they're a much different unit than compared to what we'll see in late November. And, Mel, you got to give this to Ohio State. The fact that it's a really young team, returned six total starters, and you said just now you can't really see them even getting a game until Thanksgiving, it, that just tells you something about them. That's not just a knock on the conference. That tells you this is a team that's a, it's a top-two, top-three type team, ahead of schedule, whatever you want to say. But, I mean, the sophomores, you know, the guys like Malik Hooker, like Lattimore, that, you know, uh, Weber, the freshman running back that are coming in, it's it's – it's pretty good. I mean, remember, this team won a national championship two years ago, and they, they were just kind of surviving the early portion of the season with, again, a really young team. All yeah, right. I think the main thing, real yeah. quick, the main thing, and we've talked about it before, the main thing is the guy on the sidelines. I mean, we can talk about all yeah. the talent, and they're loaded with it, but Urban Meyer doesn't lose. So when you say, who's going to beat him? When is Urban Meyer? Go back to Bowling Green, Utah, Florida, and Ohio State. How many games in the head coaching career of Urban Meyer – Todd, you know that number. How many games has he lost? Going back to Bowling Green and and in Utah with the undefeated season with Alex Smith. When it, how many games total has he ever lost as a head coach, regardless of where he's been? Let alone in Columbus with all his talent. That's why when you say, yeah, is it a walk to the? To, how many? I said, I wonder if he's lost twenty games. I would doubt it. Hold on, let me check. How many years has he been? Let me coached? check with the research well, department. Yeah, check on that. But I mean, when you think about waltzing to the Michigan game, the reason we say, and we know it's not because they can stumble like they did against Michigan State with O'Connor in there uh, for an injured Cook last year. But uh, this is a team with awesome talent and a coach who doesn't know what it is to lose a football game that often. One hundred and fifty-eight and twenty-seven. Twenty-seven. Since he's been at Ohio State, twelve and zero, twelve and two. 14 and 1, 12 and 1, 4 and 0. People forget that first year they were on probation. They went undefeated. Yeah. What, you lost four games at Ohio State, five games? Yeah. 54 and 4 at Ohio State. I think the other thing, you know, not to go on too much about them, but, you know, the other thing that's really interesting to me is they where they really lost a lot of talent was on the defensive side of the ball. It wasn't just Bosa, you know, both the safeties. People forget Tyvis Powell was once really well thought of, Von Bell, but it was guys like Adolphus Washington. Obviously, they took a hit in the linebacking core. Greg Schiano, if he, this is a guy, an NFL caliber coach, and he's up in the booth now. He's running the defense along with uh, with Fickle. And holy cow! I mean, it seems like he has a really good handle on them right now. I think they're number three in the country in total defense. So, you know, who knows? We'll, we we really can't say we can't stack them up with a Bama very easily right now. What we can say is it's ahead of schedule. And based on Urban's track record, that's a little bit scary. Mel, what about Clemson? I think fortunate to survive neutral field. I don't really like them against Louisville after seeing that game, but they won. Is this a team that 
at some point stake a claim to number one. When you can, can score points uh, at, at will in some games and you have the talent they have on offense and the way the game is now, you, you have to figure that they should be able to run the table. Florida State's in a down year. Um, I look at uh, at that defense, though. That, to me, didn't stop. Their defense didn't stop Louisville. A Louisville player kind of stopped that offense by making a move out of bounds it, instead of cutting it back in and battling for that yard, Todd. Yeah, at the end of the game, when their final play on a fourth down play, you can't be going out of bounds and coming up a yard short. So it wasn't that Clemson's defense made a stop. It was a mistake by a player on the offensive side for Louisville that prevented them probably from winning that game. So uh, when you have an offense that tremendous okay to me you know that's where the issue is going to lie can they outscore the opponent I don't have any confidence right now in that Clemson Tiger defense and I I don't know I, I just I don't see the same Deshaun Watson as a year ago not as comfortable throwing that's for sure yeah he just he, the timing's off he, he doesn't seem as confident driving the ball in certain situations so I think he's going to have to get back to the level he was playing at and they're going to have to I think offensively continue to, to improve as well. The you know the nice part is they've they're coming off the one of the toughest games of the year. Yeah, could be the toughest game. Not going to get harder. Season so um and and they were able to get a win and now they kind of, I don't want to say they coast but they're in a they're in a great position to run the table, get back to that ACC title game and and get into the the playoff if they just even if they play at a solid but not great level. Yeah, I mean, you know, give Clemson this. They have a road win in the SEC at Auburn. We know Auburn's not where they are, always can be, but that is what it is. Going to Georgia Tech's been a big problem for them. Haven't won there. They basically hadn't won there in 10 years. Got that win. They sneak past Louisville. But as Todd said, now it's BC, NC State. Obviously, the game at FSU is going to be a big one, but who knows where FSU is right now. Then you get Syracuse, Pitt. A, a tough wake team, but we think a team they can get by. I mean, South Carolina in the depths. So, yeah, that's a team that can run the table. There's no doubt about it. Todd, you've seen them 19 times in four weeks. Michigan, is Michigan a team that can run the table until they see Ohio State? Yes, they can because they're not going to see a defense like they saw last week. I'm telling you, that Wisconsin defense, even without Beagle, Beagle they're, yeah. they're, they're two backups for ballers, too. They play with as much discipline, Dooley? effort. Really good. Dooley's yeah. legit and tj watt is turning into the star that we all thought he was going to be this year he's just been he's dominant. really good um so I, they won't they won't face a defense that tests them the way that they were tested this past week and i think they'll continue to get better they have a young quarterback making i think he just made his fifth start they've got young receivers that'll continue to get involved they've got a lot of depth in at the skill position spots so like i said i think this group will get better and better but can they get to the point that, where they can match up with Ohio State? And can the defense stop Ohio State's run game and they get to that game? That's the big question. They've been working on that since just about the day that they lost to Ohio State. And the new coordinator, Don Brown, is, that's been the emphasis is stopping the run and getting ready for that Michigan attack that absolutely embarrassed that entire football program last year. Mel, what is your take on another undefeated team not necessarily that we couldn't see it coming, but they're already number five in the country. Washington really kind of as high as they've been since, I don't know, Don James, Steve Entman, Billy Joe Holbert, Mark Brunel. What's going on out there? 
Well, another great coach in Chris Peterson, uh, who has a quarterback in Jake Browning, who's doing everything a young quarterback needs to do. No mistakes. And they can run the ball. They have balance. And when you have balance, you win. That's been proven out in the NFL and proves out in a lot of places. But the offensive line stepped up. They got some guys there playing at a very high level. Getting Ross back from the injury out all of last year has really helped that that uh, pass offense. And defensively, Todd, they got guys that we're going to be looking at that all the NFL eyes are going to be on. We the defensive line, linebacker, and in that secondary with multiple stars back there so when you got big time star power at every line of defense and the offensive personnel that they have and the great coach on the sidelines and a schedule that if you look at it once you get by Stanford and they manhandled Stanford if they cannot have a hiccup at Oregon and they should manhandle Oregon Oregon's a defenseless team right now then they get a bye week in the middle of the season to kind of regroup for the second half it starts with Oregon State now at Utah's never easy Cal's a pain to play with the offense they have. They get USC, Arizona State at home, then the Apple Cup. So, yeah, they should be undefeated with what we've seen so far. If this team stays relatively injury-free, they will evolve into a great football team and be a factor uh, for the Final Four. scary part, though, is if you do trip up and have that one game. And we don't know. Let's face it. You can lose oh, at Utah can, and you're out. Yeah. yeah. They, that conference is not – has not been represented very well. No so margin for error, right? No. So I don't know. Like, uh, my guess is there's no big Big Twelve team getting in, and I think there's a really good shot if we have no undefeated team from the Pac-12 that they're going to get shut out too. And it's going to be the three other conferences: ACC, SEC, Big Ten, and then a one-loss team from one of those conferences that has played better uh, as a whole. So, what if Houston would beat Louisville? That's the other one. And I'm put. I would put in Houston over a one-loss Washington team. If they beat Louisville and – That Memphis game is no fun either. And uh, Oklahoma earlier in the year. Yeah. I, I would – I think I would. It would depend on how everything played out. But, you know, they're definitely in the mix. What Washington could get too is remember that the, if the slate's not that crazy, they, they get – these the championships these conferences have, if you are the best team, if you get that win, it's it adds up. It's another feather. I think when it was just a two-team system, I think – the SEC being ahead of a curve and getting that extra prove-it game got them a team in the championship three or four times probably. Um, and now with the playoff, yeah. What about Louisville? We mentioned Houston. You know, We we know that all comes down to Louisville. Can Louisville get back in it? I mean, they, I know that over 9 million people watched that game, and I think they all saw a Louisville team that could have won the game. That doesn't go away. I don't have any doubt that they can get back in it because I think people respect Houston enough right now. Yeah. Pro, well, give me. You have their schedule in front of you. Yeah, I got it. Give me the read off the rest of their schedule. That's the big key. All right, they got they got off obviously this week. Middle of October, they got Duke at home, NC State at home, at Virginia, at Boston College, Wake Forest at home, at Houston. And yeah, they're going to win out until that Houston game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's almost. I'd be blown away if they lose any of those games. But but they it, can't play for the ACC championship unless they get a lot right, of help. Right. Exactly. And then is it strong enough? Have they played enough teams for them to you know, get in over a one-loss Washington or a one-loss Michigan or Ohio State or a one-loss A&M team or Tennessee or whoever it is? That's the big – I mean, that's what we're yeah. going to be faced with if, if the scenario plays out. It really comes down to Houston-Louisville. If Houston wins, then we get a tough decision to make. Do we put them in – well, not us, but the, is it 12 people now in the committee? Um, you should be on the committee. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, And then, or is it Louisville as a one-loss team? 
All right, let me ask you this, Todd. You know, if you take Louisville and you say, okay, they're not going to have a chance to play for the ACC title, but they beat Houston and they went out, and they only lose to Clemson, okay, on the road on a play that really offensively you make that play, you get the first down, you probably win the football game. Yep. Okay, so to me with Lamar Jackson and all that star power, and here's a Heisman runaway front runner, right? Do you think that they will find a way to keep them out of the – I think they could not play for the well, – they're not, unless they get a lot of help – play for the ACC title, yet still, if they win out, be hard to not put in a Final Four. Let's put it this way. Where we sit today, Mel, I think of all the potential teams out there to have a one loss, I think that they are in the – they have the best chance to get in because of all, all the things you just said. The only yeah. thing that would concern me as a Louisville fan, if I were, would be – the schedule that you just read off mm-hmm. because I, you know, when you sit in that room and you go through the scenarios and I, I went in and did the mock uh, college football playoff war room, if you will. And you, you just start to go through and there's all these different metrics and ways to look at the numbers and, and compare schedules. And it seems like that becomes the biggest thing. Who did you play? Let's stack up the best games and, and how many hard, difficult opponents did you play? And depending on who's still left, like A&M, you look at A&M's schedule. If they were to be one, a one-loss team at the end of the year and not play in the SEC title game because, because um, Alabama uh, went in from the West, it's a lot better looking than what you're going to see from Louisville's, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think it's important to remember that Louisville, of the one-loss teams, we've seen one-loss teams. We've seen a team win a national championship with a loss to an unranked team. Ohio State and Virginia yeah, Tech State. a couple of years ago. Obviously, we know lose early, you're going to lose. and But we don't even have to say lose to a great team. And they lost to a really good team. I mean, it just goes to show Louisville lost and they dropped to seven. I mean, they didn't, they didn't drop to yeah. 15. They don't have a huge water climb. And the other thing is, as you pointed out, they might not just win games over the next four or five weeks. They might blow teams off the field as they have before that. And, you know, that goes a long way. And Anyway, we'll see. One other one, Mel, because we did bring it up, but Texas A&M, obviously there's this the big game with Tennessee this week. You know, I think that's A&M's game to lose um, unless Tennessee's really been hustling all of us uh, thus far. But do you give them any chance in Tuscaloosa a week after that? I give any team that can bring a defense and a running game and some balance. And, and if you talk about a tough place to play, obviously, yes, it is. And with all that talent down there at Alabama. But when you have the defensive personnel, provided Miles Garrett is 100% with Hall on the other side and the way they fly around. People forget about seven, Hall. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you look at the secondary. This is a defense that is well coached with Chavis that has personnel now. I remember a few years ago they couldn't stop anybody. Mm-hmm. Now they have a really well-fortified defense, and they have a quarterback in Trevor Knight, who is playing pretty good football. And if the receivers get healthy with the running game they have, they're a dangerous football team. At Texas A&M right now, I think you could say, is where they want to be. Kevin Sumlin was on the hot seat for a while, Todd. No longer the case. Uh, they have a heck of a football team down there at College Station. Yeah, I think this is – I mean, it, it doesn't decide it, but it certainly is a, a big – the next big challenge, a huge game against Tennessee. I, I'm to me, of all the games this weekend, that's the one I'm most excited to see. You're like a touchdown favorite. Who? Texas A&M. Really? Mm-hmm. Playing give, at home? Yeah. Give, give Texas A&M this, and I think it's 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 upset type of material. Through five games, A&M leads the country 50 tackles for loss in five games. I know you expect Garrett to have 10 of those, but there's another 40 
I mean, they are creating so many negative plays. Mel brought up Hall, but they do a lot of things. And I, I yeah, they've they've beaten some bad teams, Prairie V and M, but they beat UCLA. Neutral game, UCLA, not a great team, not they a terrible team. Controlled Auburn at Auburn. Arkansas is not the team, the type of team where you would think you'd get a lot of negative plays. But when Allen was back to pass, he got drilled he did. a ton. South Carolina, again, another team where you expect them to win, but you don't expect 15 tackles for loss. I mean, they are – I think the difference back, I'm, I'm seeing in A&M, facing them. They have, they have more depth and staying power than they used to. And I think that's, it's taken some time to get more players in and get second line of defense, you know, defensive line where they can rotate in and, and shifts at times. Mm-hmm. Um, they just didn't have that for many years. And now that they've they've got a lot of you know freshmen last year who are sophomore this year sophomores this year and and can play and not have a huge drop off, they're beating teams in the second half. I mean that Arkansas game I think was seventeen seventeen at the half, right? Mm-hmm. And they turned on really one play. They, they seventeen all Arkansas has first and goal at the one turn stuff, yep. right. and then then they and worked them the rest. That. And then yeah. Auburn was the same. It was a close game, and then the second half they came out, and that is I think a lot to do with depth and. You know, in the third, fourth quarters, when a team starts to wear down, you're still fresh and you can you can run around and make and good plays. Todd, you know, that's why it's tough for teams that don't have it. College football games, there's 95 plays per team in some of these right. games, and they go on forever. It's not like the NFL. So you better be fortified in terms of your second, third guys, running guys in rotation to keep them fresh, especially in September when it's hot. And late late in the year when you have injuries, how does that affect you and impact you? And now you got guys that you didn't even think you were going to be playing that have to get out there in these three-and-a-half, four-hour games with teams running 95 plays. You play some of these big 12 teams – it's a nightmare. You play Cal, it's a nightmare uh, trying to get your team off the field. So uh, the amount of plays that these kids have to endure in a long college football season, this I think it's ridiculous. But, I'm hey, exhausted just walking around the sideline. Todd, you got to be. I mean, I, I think exhausted. college football, and I've said this all along, and you guys love college football like I do. When are they going to ever adjust that 1968 rule of stopping the clock and to move the chains on a first down and not go back to the way it, it should be? It should just and, be at a ref's discretion. Keep the clock moving as much as you can, though. Well, I'm saying they after the first down, they did it in 1968 because they couldn't get enough plays. Everybody was running the football. It was three yards in a cloud of dust. They had to try to create more plays. They said, okay, let's stop the clock to move the chains, okay? Because the clock was running on every play. You're running the ball between the tackles. It never stopped. But that was 1968. Now it's pass-happy, 7-on-7 football. Throw it all over the yard. you got to adjust. College football, unfortunately, guys, takes about 20 to 30 years to adjust to what they should do. Unfortunately, it takes them 20, 30 years to finally do what they should have done a long time ago. should be the commissioner of the You the stole the words and, out of my mouth. Not only that, Mel should be the commissioner of multiple leagues because 68, Mel, what did they also do? They lowered the mound in baseball. Mel, you'd be a fine MLB commissioner. I know that. Sorry about the Orioles. Um, one other team I'm just going to throw out before we jump into prospects because I know you guys are super excited to talk about who's going to be the number one pick in the draft right now because you won't be tweeted about that. Miami is undefeated. They got through a game – Everybody hates, which is going to Georgia Tech. Now they get FSU at home in a game that used to be the world and now is kind of just still really interesting with Mark Rick back there. Um, But if they get by that, they also get UNC at home. And then really, no offense to Notre Dame, the toughest game left is maybe at Virginia Tech. Do you guys buy – we know they have a quarterback. Do you buy that this is a team that could be sneaky, one-loss type? I don't think no. they're in the playoff mix, but I'm just I saying. Don't. 
I don't, Todd. I've seen this team in a couple games, and I'm not <laughs> buying it. I think the schedule has allowed this to happen. Yeah. I'm a big Mark Rick fan. I like Kaya, and I like some of the players that they have. But they're not a team that uh, can probably – I think if they finish with two to three losses, it would be a really good year. Yeah, I tend to agree. I, again, we're, because of the competition, I, I have a very difficult time gauging how good this team is. I think they're better than they've been in, in several years. But I don't think that they're they're anywhere close to the upper echelon of college football right now. I think it's a good coaching job. They'll continue to get better. Brad Kai is the obviously the man at quarterback. They're protecting him a little bit better. Uh, but again, against who? Top so, Florida A and M, Florida Atlantic, App State, and Georgia Tech. Who sounds like a murderer's row to me? Yeah. I mean, come on. I'm glad I introduced this segment, guys. We're going to take a break and then we're going to jump back in, looking at. Potential number one overall prospects. McShay deservedly should be grilled on his current number one, who will not be playing again this week. But first, a word from MeUndies. Picture a world where putting on a new pair of underwear isn't just fresh. You're stepping into a better day. Think about it. Underwear is the first thing you put on and the last thing you take off. Why would you settle for anything less than the best-feeling underwear on the planet? MeUndies focuses solely on producing the most comfortable underwear you've ever experienced. My friends at MeUndies sent me a few pairs a while back, and now I can't imagine wearing anything else. It really makes each day that much better. No joke. For the price of two cocktails, MeUndies will deliver your new favorite pair of underwear right to your doorstep. Better day guaranteed. Try them on, and if they aren't the most comfortable, best-feeling undies you've ever had, they'll refund you and let you keep your first pair for free. Included in the price is the Sweet Touch of Modal, a special fabric with best-in-class raw materials that are scientifically proven to be three times softer than cotton. These uber-cozy undies are sold exclusively on the MeUndies website, where you'll enjoy free shipping in the U.S. and Canada. And for a limited time, everyone in my audience gets 20% off their first order. 20%! But you have to go to our special URL, MeUndies.com slash draft. With the MeUndies Better Day Guarantee, you have nothing to lose. So don't wait any longer. Go to MeUndies.com slash draft right now for 20% off your first order. That's MeUndies.com slash draft. We're back after that stirring commercial read. Mel, Todd. The potential number one teams in the country we've discussed. The potential number one prospects in the country. I'm not, this isn't a mock draft. You love I want themes. I want the guys. This is an editor's role. Otherwise, it would be chaos. Uh, Can you find us a host then? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I started with twerking. I gave America what they wanted. Todd, right now you have a new top 32 out. Leonard Fournette, number one. Obviously, the talent's not a problem. The health the issues there is a question, and obviously, you know, frankly, I think they need to be cautious with this guy with his future in mind. Uh, Miles Garrett, Jonathan Allen, Jabril Peppers, you just saw him again. Moving on up for you, Malik McDowell, that's your top five. Are all of these guys, you know, put Fournette aside because it's so distinct with his situation. He's a running back. We don't expect those guys to go number one, but we just saw one go number four. Who are the types that are in the mix to be a number one overall type? 
Um, well, Garrett, I think, is probably the most complete player right now. Jonathan Allen is, is going to be more of a five technique coming out of Alabama. So the three, three four teams are going to view him um, slightly higher than, than some four, three teams. Jabril Peppers is unique. Now, I moved him up significantly because I think he's been just flat out awesome. Finally, McShay. Kiefer. Love you, man. I miss you. I get like six months without really getting the true Kuiper, but I, I take the flashes. It's coming, Todd. I'll tell you what, Malik McDowell played poorly. See, here's the problem. I'm watching games like everyone else is watching games right now. I can confidently say Peppers belongs in the top ten now because I've watched so much Michigan, and I know that team like, like Jim Harbaugh knows that team pretty close. And I've watched the coach copy tape week in and week out on them, so I, I've seen every play. Some of these other teams, I haven't watched it down. I've watched a little bit of like you know game, game TV, and it's not the same. So Malik McDowell, from what I saw, just watching on ESPN or whatever it was the other day, he was not very effective. He really was not very effective. So I'm you into- start to wonder where his position even sometimes because yeah. there's some tentativeness when he sees it. It's he's weird. a three technique yeah. that also could be an outside guy maybe. So, but he's he's, he's supremely yeah. talented, and his tape last year was really really good. So. Just continue to watch McDowell and, and his progress. But those those are the top five. After that, there's you know this class is interesting because there's a lot of good running backs and there's a lot of good defensive players. But there's not very few guys that you think, man, I I really believe that he's going to be a top ten pick when it's all said and done. And there's not a quarterback out there that I truly believe in the first half of the first round, even though it won't surprise me a bit if it winds up happening. Mel, what about you? Who are the guys that are at least in the mix there to be a number one type? Well, I think the guys that uh, that Todd mentioned are, are the guys. I mean, right now, I think you know, you look at Miles Garrett. Be, you'd be hard pressed to find somebody better in, in terms of getting after the quarterback. And that's what the NFL is all about: is attacking and getting pressure. So, I would think Miles Garrett's your number one guy. Uh, Peppers is fantastic all around player. I mean, uh, they had Charles Woodson, who really took the MV, uh, the MVP, the Heisman away from Peyton Manning because of his versatility. And look at what Peppers is doing. Uh, if it wasn't for Lamar Jackson and his spectacular play, Peppers would be very far up in the highs. I don't know where he is now, guys. I don't follow that during the year as much, but I would think Peppers has to be way, way up there. The guy I love is Reuben Foster, uh, inside yeah, linebacker awesome. at Alabama. And he is mm-hmm. uh, he's as good as the previous stars that Alabama's had at inside linebacker and a better prospect than Reggie Ragland. And I think you look down the line a little bit, Cordray Tankersley, cornerback at Clemson, Todd. I mean, he's going to, if he runs the 40 and does well there, yeah, he'll be moving up the ladder as well. Derek Barnett, defensive end, Tennessee, getting there for the quarterback. He could move up. Charles Harris had that big game a few weeks ago against Georgia. He can kind of replicate that moving forward. He'll have a high grade. But I think Reuben Foster, I have him at six right now, Todd, on the big board. Where do you have the linebacker from Alabama? Eight. I've got him at eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I agree. He's been awesome this year. He just keeps getting better. I'm excited. we got LSU in Florida live this week i mean there's no offense to be found and fournette not playing there's really no offense to be found but talk about two teams that are stacked defensively it'll be good to see those two teams live and just looking at at florida uh jared davis the linebackers Mm -hmm. having a really good year tease he changed his name to tease tabor Mm -hmm. i can't you say it mel tease tabor okay you know wait till you you get a sentence Mm -hmm. when you're all fired up you're gonna Mm -hmm. you're gonna tee the Mm-hmm. life out of that name. Tease. <laughs> yeah. um, and so on and so forth. So that's one of the better games you could go to in terms if you're looking for defensive talent. Todd, we'll get to see Peppers one week and then Jamal Adams the next. Yep. You're not going to do much better than that. It's really interesting how 
the state, you know, we call Matt Bowen, I like the term, he calls them monster backs. Going back to high school, it's that linebacker yep. who's actually as fast as your corners, who can also play safety. It's weird, though. This is the definition of how we've sometimes tweener is bad, sometimes tweener is good, too. Peppers is a tweener. I mean, he, they basically have him as like, he's, he's playing strong. So was it strong side linebacker Played this week? Everywhere. He Played can corner. play safety. He Played can play corner. Nickel. He can play the slot. Everywhere. And yeah, the Dave Dunn Buchanan's, Dave the, Buchanan, the exactly. Sua Cravens, yeah. all those guys that had roles now that weren't clearly defined Jack coming Thompson. in, Todd. Yeah. yeah, all those guys that didn't have clearly defined roles now are are perfect for today's NFL. Right. No, it's crazy, you don't too. have to take personnel off the field. No, and it's it, we've, we've saw it, too. I mean, look at Atlanta's draft. I was in a discussion with somebody about how Atlanta knew they had to play Cam Newton twice a year, and now that Keanu Neal's on the field and Deion Jones is on the field, these are the kind of guys that make spreads and read, you know, run-pass option type stuff just more difficult because they can fly, they can tackle. But it's really interesting. Um, so we covered the possible number ones. Didn't get to Luke Fox, surprisingly. Um, we'll get there. We'll get there. Guys, really quickly, I wanted to jump into some mail before – Todd dies of uh, the cholera. What do you have over there? It's just you know, traveling two two little kids Mumps. talking to Mel, coughing a couple times. <laughs> Guys, some worry about Deshaun Watson, hologram Zilla at real hot rod Zilla. Josh, do you ask me to read these Twitter names just so you can laugh? Yes. All right. Although the best laugh I got was thinking about Johnny Unitas twerking earlier. You better give me one of the leftover 75 take fives you have, and I didn't even mention yeah. that at the top. Well, we'll see about that. Yeah, it's upsetting. You got you got take fives? You got 75 of them. They say I'm a box. I should probably share that with you. Yeah, I mean, next time you call to do this show, it's a two-man operation. Yeah. I'm out. Um, Bogus. There's some worry that Deshaun Watson is becoming Taj Boy 2.0, that recent... Clemson quarterback, who we thought is you know a possible first round that fell away. I think we ended up in the sixth. I don't see that kind of precipitous fall. There's just some concern. What do you guys? There was see? concern coming into the year. He had an awesome game against Alabama last year. He had some really good throws, but he's inconsistent with his footwork. He's not the biggest guy in the world. And I'm not talking just run height. him a lot too. Does yeah. that bother you as a draft guy that you're just like ah quit running in between the tackles? Um, you like to see more attempts you know passing attempts it doesn't bother me as long as yeah. it's healthy um and that offense is going to be a, a little bit of a jump to the next level we'll just leave it at that so i while he his work ethic his intelligence is unquestioned his athleticism and his ability to make throws on occasion or you know but not on occasion he has made some really difficult throws in huge games mm-hmm. under pressure you name it. Everything you look for is there. It's just it's not happening as consistently as you'd like to see it. That's the biggest issue I had watching tape of him this offseason getting ready for the year. It's why I didn't give him a first-round grade coming into the year. It's why I still don't have a first-round grade on him. I don't have one on Kaya, and uh, Kaiser from Notre Dame is kind of new to the – you know, I studied him early this season. He's had some bumps in the road, and I haven't been able to – Get to the coach copy tape the last couple of weeks. Kuiper's holding out on when Kaiser. he hasn't played well. So I, you know, there's a lot still to learn about all of these guys. But there's more question marks in my mind than there are, uh, you know, thoughts of of confirming and stamping a guy as a first rounder. Mel, I agree very rarely with McShay, 
but I agree in this case that the quarterbacks have been very, very disappointing for the most part in terms of trying to figure out, from the one, should they come out? And a lot of these guys have to say, Wilton Spates, a third-year sophomore, Todd, should he come out? No. No. Okay. Look at the league now. Who are the guys who are succeeding? Mm -hmm. A lot of reps. Look at all of the young quarterbacks that are succeeding. Just about every single one of them was a fifth-year guy or stayed four full years and – and played for four years, or uh, you know, three and and a portion of the of the first. So there is a direct correlation, in my opinion, with reps, experience, maturity, mental and physical, for that position going into the NFL. And this this year's draft class is a perfect example of that. Yeah, Deshaun Kaiser, third year sophomore, he certainly uh, I think needs another year. Uh, Luke Falk, I think, will come out from Washington State. Then it'll be a question: Is his arm strong enough? He may end up going down into the Reese's Senior Bowl down in Mobile. We'll see. Evans at Virginia Tech, the JUCO transfer, talented, but he's got limited sample size at the major college level. We know about Kyan Watson, C.J. Beathard, Chad Kelly, Mitch Leidner, Seth Russell, the seniors, Cooper Rush, Central Michigan, Mitch Trubisky's had a nice year, the underclassman at North Carolina. We'll see how he finishes out. But right now. And I go back to, to Cleveland's decision at pick number two, Todd. When you don't take the quarterback, you better hope Cody Kessler's the guy or RG3 because evaluating these quarterbacks, when you had one fall right in your lap at number two and, and Carson Wentz and you didn't take him, uh, that means the next three, two, three, four years, you've got to be figuring, is there going to be a quarterback worthy? You know, and are we going to take him? And is he going to develop when you had one right there at number two yeah, and you didn't take him? So yeah. Cleveland's going to be the team we look back on. And uh, all I can say is they so better hope Kessler or RG3 is the guy. Now, What's that? We've, how long have we been looking back on Cleveland in the quarterback position? So Never ends, now. does it? No. Cody Kessler is going to take him to the promised land. I mean, I think that's pretty obvious. Guys, JD at JD868, which edge rushers would be best for a 3-4 right now? I know we have to throw out 3-4 and 4-3 and just say everybody's a nickel half the time, but – what are those? What are those types? I put Tim Williams right at the top, Todd. I think you know, yeah, he, if he can stay out of trouble. He's yeah, hit and miss. Yeah, I mean yeah. Tim he's Williams not playing is, the way last year. I thought he might be the most dominant edge rusher. But in they the put him country. in situations. You know, it's yeah. you know he's playing twenty percent of the snaps last year. It's tough when you're always out there closer to that. Devontae Fields fits the bill. Yeah, they're not uh, short of Louis. Yeah, he's just got to start playing to the level of his talent. Yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm I'll tell you a guy way. I like, and he's not I playing outside. I think Derek can play either. I, I think yeah. he, he can yeah. be versatile in that regard. Yeah, I think you'll, and T.J. Watt, we'll see how he evolves. Yep. Haynes at Ole Miss. Guys, I'll tell you, McCray at Michigan's had a nice year. Um, Derek Barnett. Yeah. Barnett's a you know, guy who can play both up and down. But as an overall linebacker, and they have him inside, but he had a big game, and I highlighted him on ESPN.com this past week. Zach Cunningham at Vanderbilt, Todd. Nice player. Keep an eye out for him. Yep. Put him on your list, Todd. We'll see. You don't just get on the list. You get four games minimum. Uh, guys, I can hear the despair here. So we'll, we'll finish with this one. Hunter Phillips, at HP on air. The pain, the Hawkeye pain, I can feel it all the way out here in Bristol. <laughs> Where do you see both C.J. Bethard and Desmond King falling in the draft? I emphasize falling. A lot of sadness around uh, Iowa City. Mel, you've seen these guys. I mean, C.J. Beathard, uh, you know, you thought going in, maybe he could be in that third, fourth round area. Right now, some struggles. Now, it's not a – with Vandenberg out, the receiver, who's kind of the go-to guy, Kittle now becomes that the tight end, and they don't have a lot of weapons for, for the quarterback to really have in the passing game to throw to. So uh, I think you know, it's a limited uh, amount of big play people. So that affects your quarterback. But I, I, I'm not as impressed with Beathard as I thought he would be. Obviously, the grandson of the great GM, Bobby Beathard. Uh, I 
I think you look at, at King, I like him a lot as a football player, whether he's a true corner it can hold up in this league from a recovery safety? speed standpoint, maybe kicks inside depending upon what his 40 is. We thought that, Todd, about a lot of corners, then they run a 40, and sometimes they run better than you think. So I think going in, one thing King proved going into this year, he's got great ball skills and awareness, uh, but he's one of those guys we talk about, is he a tweener? Do we really know definitively that he can be a cover, a great cover corner in the NFL? Yeah, I'm interested to see most positions. I don't care that much, but I'm interested to see his speed. What is his true speed, and and can he close fast enough, and, and all of that? But uh, plays like a four five five guy. Uh, yeah, I would completely agree. Mel, back in the day, you used to travel a lot. Was it with game day? When were you? Oh yeah, were you and Mister on day, the yeah. road every week? Yep. Were you coughing and able to kind of hold it together? I was never yeah, he came up with an ear infection that for life that he has that now yeah, he can't that's, travel. That, that's, that's chronic, Todd. Yeah. <laughs> no, I got survived. We went every year. Uh, I cough a couple week. times. I just did an hour with Russell well, and Kyle, I think too. I think Jeez, what we I've should do. Any, any issues like that. No. I think the producers. I mean, no be, one in the world has ever has ever had a podcast that they don't give you. They don't even give you a take five for that you got sent here. Uh, then <laughs> yeah, they come next, and get, next and time around. You might get a take five. The funny thing is, Josh, is that Todd and I don't just. We're not just plugging Take 5. It's not like I have a Take 5 no, commercial. It's legitimately the best candy it's, it's bar. Le- it's legit Take 5 love. And I thought that you guys got a cooler full of them, too. My mistake. I don't I got nothing. I don't understand this. It's fascinating. I think what would be really cool is if we did uh, Trading Places, like Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd one week, and it would be Mel is working sidelines, <laughs> and uh, he's the sideline analyst, like watching the game, that asking questions, trying to do that, the and then Todd... <laughs> Todd would never know when they came down to him and would never jump in. And then he talked through like four plays when he did get going. Todd does a morning radio show from his recliner and then watches like 19 games. Sounds so nice. Wow, you know. Try 29 games. 29 yeah. games. Call yeah. Sprout at like up 3 in the morning to ask him if you watch William 4.30 Mary. in the morning so I can get the Sprout and Dane at maybe 10, 11 to give him an under-the-radar guy moving up and a big board guy moving up. I was up, up. at 4.32 catching Wait. a flight. <laughs> Flight or diaper, yeah. Yeah, flight or diaper. Well, that was, uh, that was first draft for this week. Mel, future commissioner of multiple leagues, certainly college football, definitely the NFL with his stance on twerking. Uh, Todd just hey, surviving, barely. He's working on some water right now. Surviving. Uh, but we got Not through some possible number ones in college football. We got through some possible number ones in the draft. And uh, we'll do it again in a couple weeks. I'm Chris Sproul, Mel Todd. And our producer who holds candy away from us, Josh. We'll do it again. Thanks for listening to First Draft. For more great podcasts, check out ESPN.com slash podcenter.